how we doing? Everybody doing good? So good to see all of you. Yeah. It is awesome to finally meet all of you. I've been friends with your pastor for several years now. Uh, we will intersect through some leadership opportunities and some pastoral moments to encourage one another, to inspire one another. How many of you know you need some people to do life with and encourage each other? Your pastor, I'm actually a little bit humbled by this. He tells me all the time, I pray for you every day. Um, I don't pray for him every day, but maybe I can work on that. But anyway, uh, he is just an awesome man of God. Every time I get around him, I grow, I learn, I get better. He has a passion for this region and this area of the country, for people to, uh, again, your, your mission, real problems, real people. They need the real love of God, and uh, it's real, behind the scenes, not just what you hear from the platform. And uh, I love him, his precious wife, his family, uh, the team here. Every time I get around your pastor, I'm more inspired for those people that are far from God to know that God loves them. In fact, if you're far from God, you're, this is a new thing for you. Maybe that you're just coming to church. Well, you're the kind of person that Jesus loves. He came to seek and to save those that are far from him. And so he inspires me with that. I, I love him. He's a great man of God. And thank you for the opportunity to be with you. It's an honor. It's a privilege. And I want us to turn in our Bibles, if we can, to the book of Exodus Exodus 3.10, if you've got a mobile device, I'm going to put some things on the screen as well. Exodus 3.10, and then we're going to look at some other passages in Exodus 4.10, and we're going to look at a big moment in Scripture, we're going to look at a big character, a big person, and we're going to look at a moment where he faced some big challenges on the way to the purpose that God has for him. Because we have challenges and barriers and things that try to paralyze us as we're moving forward into everything that God has for us. Now we're going to do this by looking at a question. As Pastor Chris said, for the last few years I've been investigating this topic, thinking about this question in my own personal life. I've took our church through a journey to think about this question. And uh, I find that it's something that's all the way through the scripture. And I find this question is a question that we all ask. And it's a question that we ask at multiple phases in our lives. And that is this question, who am I? Now, we don't, we don't want to publicize it. By the way, we don't always cognitively and just, just rationally and practically even know that we're asking the question that much. We, we really don't. We, we don't really even know that it's bubbling up all the time, but it is a question we're asking, who am I? Who am I really? Who am I in this new phase? Who am I at this transition in my life? How many of you are in a season of transition, a job transition, a, a, some kind of transition? I'm at a transition in my family with my children. And what I find is, is that you don't ever graduate from the question. As you're moving along through life, you start asking the question. Maybe you settle it at this point of your life, but then everything shifts. And life brings some unexpected stuff. I know in the other services, you know, maybe, uh, maybe this service, you guys are the spiritual people, you know, right here, but the other services were willing to be transparent and tell me that they like to control stuff. Any control freaks in this service and like things in order, want to have everything work out exactly like they want it. Okay, I'm talking to the right crowd. But, but how many of you know you can't control everything in life and things come and it's not how you drew it up. And when it's not the way that you want it to be or the way you thought it should be, you start asking identity questions. You start asking, who am I? But we don't want to admit it. 
This is a safe place this weekend at Faith Promise for all of us to really think about the question, who am I? Where am I putting my identity? What am I basing my future on? What am I, how, how secure am I even with that question? You're not gonna go to work after this weekend and say, what'd you do this weekend? Well, I hung out with the family. We had a good meal over here at so-and-so place. You know, what'd, you, what'd you really do? Well, yeah, I just spent most of the weekend trying to discover who I am. You know, I, We're not really gonna say that around the water cooler. We're not gonna admit that. We're not gonna post that online, but it is a question that we're actually asking at significant moments in our lives. And I don't have time to hit all of the areas that I've been studying. Because I found when we feel alone, I found even when we have success, I found when we have failures, I found, and here's one some of you are dealing with, I found when there are people that you love that are headed down the wrong path. Do you have someone right now that you love, they're struggling with the who am I question, and they're headed down a path, and you know if they just keep going that way, they're headed toward destruction and you know God loves them, and you care deeply about them, did you know you sometimes start evaluating who you are through the lens of the people you love as to whether or not they've answered the question properly or not? And so there's a lot of ways and places, but I'd like us to start at a fundamental level where I see this question really come up, and that is, who am I when I feel insecure? Who am I when I feel insecure? And did you know insecurity has a good friend called fear? And then insecurity and fear come together to make a really bad cocktail. It produces anxiety, worry. It can even bring depression, or as we see in our media today, and a lot of people struggling even with something as tragic as suicide, what happens is the enemy just begins to find a playground around these emotions and around this question, and it's so important that we know how to answer this question properly and deal with who am I when I feel unsafe, when I feel insecure? And I'm telling you, there's emotions that start circling around. You have trouble sleeping. Any of you in the medical profession, I have doctors in our church that tell me there are many times there's not really any medical diagnosis other than the stress, anxiety, worry, and fear of the problems of life that cause people so many times even medical issues. So it's like, what do we do about it? Who am I when I feel insecure? I'd like to share just a little bit about myself. Again, I pastor a church called Milestone Church in the Dallas-Fort Worth area. Here's my family right here. These people have created some of my greatest joys, but also some of my greatest insecurities. Come on, anybody in a family out there? Y'all know what I'm talking about? And we're not even including all the in-laws and outlaws and the, you know crazy uncles and all those people, but we, that's a different message. But anyway... Right here, I have my oldest daughter. She's actually here with me somewhere. There she is, Hannah Grace. She's uh, 18 years old, just graduated from high school. She's headed to Baylor University in a couple of weeks. That's my man-child son, who's 17 right there. And then my 13-year-old daughter, Lauren Elizabeth, who just got and arrived in Kenya for a mission trip. And my little girl there, seven years old, her name is Lainey Kate. It means bright light. She's my bright light and my beautiful wife of 20-plus years. And here's what I found. Yeah, that's my family. And I found pastoring a church that's growing and doing all that is child's play in comparison to being a good husband and a good dad. And there's so many variables that come in the family arena, and we've had all kinds of great challenges and a lot of great victories. I, I want to just share one of my areas of insecurity recently. Some of you haven't gotten to this place yet, but some of you are headed to this place. Others of you will feel my pain. But one of my great areas of insecurities is these two oldest started driving in the last few years. 
like a real motorized vehicle by themselves. They drive away from my house, and I admit to you, I get afraid. I wonder. They're not afraid. They don't text me. They never tell me. I'm thinking about tracking them like some of you control people do and just see where they're at. But anyway, they, they don't. And so I worry sometimes, and I become my dad. The other day, Hannah Grace drove off in her car, and I just kind of, she was supposed to be home at a certain time. I started pacing on the front porch. I'm up there waiting for her to get home. I had my shirt off. Don't picture it. I'm standing there. She pulls up out there. I'm looking, and then she's missing her right front hubcap. And I'm thinking, oh, man. And so she's kind of bebopping up the sidewalk. I was like, Hannah Grace, where's your hubcap? You would think she would have some kind of intelligent answer for such a simple question. You know what she said to me? Dad, what's a hubcap? <laughs> oh, my gosh, I'm insecure. Are you joking me? I got to send you off to high school. I mean, to college, I'm sorry. And so I'm just like, oh my gosh. And I know that's humorous, but let me share with you some things in real life beyond just simple things like hubcaps. We all have reasons to feel insecure. And can I share with you just as a dad, as a person living in our culture today, and as a pastor, the way we're doing life and some of the cultural factors and I know every generation is like, ours is a little more difficult. I, I believe there's some different pressures today. Did you know, moms, you have pressure. You have insecurities. You have things coming your way. And I don't assume every mom is totally just responsible for certain things around the house. There's some of you moms, you have working responsibilities, and you're over here and all the, the things. And by the way, powerful ladies get powerful things done, and you carry the emotion of things. You know how to do a lot of stuff, so you're carrying the expectations over here. You've got a little bit of pressure and guilt over here about the things that you're responsible for over here. And moms are those that are always looking over the details of things, and they care about things, and they're planning about things. And in today's world today, you got to raise prodigy kids. I mean, they got to they gotta hit the note on every recital. They got to do all the select baseball. They got to have all the great grades. They won't get in the right college if they don't have all these preparatory things. And so you're carrying all this internal pressure. All the while, you have to have this beautiful magazine type lifestyle. You, you got to stay in shape. You got to be able to have an Instagram photo of your blueberry tart with a perfect little flower right beside it with the sun beaming in right there as if your world has no chaos. Truth is, underwear's all over the floor. People have done destroyed the house, but right in that Instagram photo, come on, ladies, are we talking about real life? <laughs> pressure, pressure, insecurity, anxiety, worry. Dads have it. Dads hide it. Dads know how to kind of fake it till they make it. They act like everything's fine, but you know what? They carry pressure. They carry pressure for provision. They carry pr pressure for the people that they love and care about. They carry pressure because they haven't always been equipped in that area of their lives. You come to a great church like this, guys. You're carrying, I want to check off my bucket list. I want to hit my retirement number. I want to do all of this. I'll carry the pressure of my professional life. It's not quite working out exactly like I thought. Then you come to a church. Pastor Chris is such a great men speaker. I've seen him in environments with men. He knows how to encourage them, challenge them. And so you come to a church like this, and then you hear your pastor say, you're supposed to be a spiritual leader. And you're like, Whew, oh, man, how do I do that? No one taught me how to do that. I mean, I'm great at my hobbies. I can kill the sales deal. I can close this deal. I can conquer that. I can get this trophy. But I'm going to tell you, I don't know how to conquer that Bible. I don't know what it even means to be a spiritual leader in my house. Man, I'm feeling insecure. 
And so we have insecurities as dads and as men. Young adults have a lot of pressure today. It's like, I should be here by now. I should be at this place by now. I wanna be famous. I wanna solve the world's problems. We gotta solve global hunger. We've gotta deal with all these issues. I should be married by now. I've been a bridesmaid 15 times. When's it gonna be my time? When's it gonna be my day? And so I'm carrying all this pressure and all the things that are going on around my world and people are viewing into it and youth and teenagers. I have an old chapter in the book for teens. For those of you that are concerned about some teens, God has a plan for them. I know we have a big group of teens here in this service somewhere, Orchard Hills or something. I saw a bunch of bands or somewhere, all that. Come on now. And so a whole bunch of pressure on teenagers today. When we started this journey, I wanted some teenagers to be able to come with us on this journey because I do believe there's a lot of things that you do as you're moving through the journey of life that are important. But I believe settling where you find your true identity has a huge impact on some of those critical decisions that you make in your life at 20, 21, 22, 23, 24 years old. And so it's, it's a moment where you have to investigate that. I grabbed some teens from our whole community, went to our local high school. I got in the library. I got a big library table, teenagers from different stages and different interests. And I gathered around the table and I just asked one simple question. Tell me about your insecurities. Tell me about your pressures. Tell me about growing up in your generation. Within 15 to 20 minutes, I was crying right there with those teenagers. They're carrying so much pressure, pain in their family life troubles in their, their world. They, they, am I going to make it? Can I get into college? Will I have a good job? What's the thing? All, all kinds of pressures. And guess what? They're carrying the pressures of all the things that they have relationally, just like we did, but they're carrying it different today. Y'all know junior high is brutal. Junior high girls, man, need to get saved, man. Junior high girls are mean. Y'all know what I'm talking about? I got all these girls in my house. I'm telling you, man, and what used to happen for us is you would go to school, you'd deal with some of the bullying, some of the negative talk and the criticism, then you'd leave those people and go home. Now, because of smartphones and social media, they come in your bedroom with you. They live with you all night. So insecurity and pressure that's 24 hours, no wonder they deal with so much anxiety and so many things going on. And so young people, now some of y'all are out there going, look, I, I'm not in those categories. I'm someone who's got all these people out of my house and can I have an amen if you got them off the payroll? Y'all know what I'm saying? Don't let them boomerang back. You're like, man, I'm done. I'm an empty nester. But you know what I found? You don't graduate from the who am I question. Even as an empty nester, now you're hitting a phase of life to say, am I making a good contribution? Did I do? You have some regret. I wish I would have. What if I would have? You're starting to ask the legacy question. Am I going to? I made these resources. I'm in a different place than I ever thought. I'm better off than my parents. But I'm, what am I going to do? How do I, how do I leave a legacy? Am I going to contribute my life to something that matters for eternity? And so you start asking those questions along the way and you start dealing even at that legacy phase. Look, what if I'm not the owner? What if I'm not the manager? What if I don't have this work title? And so all of us today, here's the point. All of us have reasons to feel insecure. And how you answer that question has a profound impact on your contentment and the life that you live that God has called you to live. You say, is it in the Bible? Well, like I said, all the way through the Bible is one thing I discovered. 
All the way through the Bible, I find people asking who am I questions. How many of y'all are glad we don't have a sanitized version of the scriptures? Your, your statement about real people, real problems, look, that's, that's biblical because there's some real people in here and they got some real problems. And that's why we can relate to them. David, who am I that you're mindful of me? Peter, he asked, Peter, Jesus asked him a who am I question. Who do you say that I am? Peter said, you're the Christ, you're the son of the living God. And then he told him who he was. You're Peter and upon this rock I will build my church. When you begin to understand who God is, then you understand who you are. It's all the way through the Bible, but today we're going to look at a big figure, one that even if you hadn't been to church in a long time, don't know a lot about the Bible, you may have heard about. His name is Moses. Moses, look, you know the one that has all the movies about him? Let my people go. There's old movies, there's Disney movies. You may not know much about him. Let me get you just kind of caught up to his story and how it relates because the moment we're going to read about is a critical moment where insecurity tried to stop him from what God had planned for him. His name in Egyptian, it means son. His Hebrew name means drawn from the waters. If you looked him up in Wikipedia, over the banner of his picture would be the word chosen. He is a chosen, planned, purposed person in God. Yet isn't that amazing with all of what God has done to show him he's chosen, he still struggles with insecurity. And this moment, God goes to great lengths to show him in a miraculous way. So that tells me to get over insecurity, it's got to come by some type of revelation. His story is that his mom put him in the Nile River to protect him because it was a dangerous time for little boys. Put him in the Nile River, the most powerful person in the land. The king, his daughter, rescues him from the river. He's raised in the king's palace. He's raised with privilege. He's raised with opportunity, but he has a moment where he diverts off from the purpose that God has for him. He sees his people being hurt and abused. He kills an Egyptian. He buries him in the sand. He's not living his best version. He's not living his best life now. He's way off course. And by the way, if you're way off course, you're never too far off course for God to get you back into your purpose. What's amazing here? Yeah, it's a great place to cop. God's a good God. And what's amazing here is we look at Exodus 3.10, there is a moment here, a theological term called a theophany. Your pastor's got a doctorate degree. He and I have all these intense discussions. I thought I'd use a big old theological word up in his church. Come on, pastor. Theophany. Use my preacher voice. Theophany. Don't get caught in the big word. It just simply means this. It's literally a manifestation of Jesus in the Old Testament, a tangible, I want to be with you, Jesus, manifestation in the Old Testament. In a burning bush, God himself comes to him. Now, here's another unique thing about this moment. He's 80 years old. That's what I love about God. You're never too young to do something great for God, young people. Never too young. You're never too young, and guess what's great about God? You're never too old. At 80 years old, God puts him on course to his destiny, yet he's dealing with insecurity. Look what it says. So now go. He's telling Moses, go. Look what he says. I'm sending you to Pharaoh to bring my people, the Israelites, out of Egypt. But Moses said to God, look what he said, who am I? The who am I question. Who am I? Now look at his evaluation. He's evaluating his past. He's evaluating his abilities. He's evaluating everything we evaluate that produces insecurity in us. Who am I that I should go to Pharaoh and bring the Israelites out of Egypt? And God says what he always says, I'll be with you. Let me give you a cliff note version. If you don't know a lot about the Bible and you're wondering, how do I get on track with God? He's all the time saying, fear not. 
Fear is a cousin, a friend, again, of insecurity. He's over and over saying, fear not. And another thing he always says, I'll be with you. The more disconnected you are from God, you're like, man, anxiety is just getting me. The more disconnected from God that you are, the more you will struggle with insecurity and identity issues. Look what he says here, I'll be with you. And this will be a sign to you that it is I who have sent you. When you have brought the people out of Egypt, you will worship God on this mountain. And Moses said to God, he's not convinced, suppose I go. You ever had a kind of dialogue with God about what he wanted you to do? You know, this is what Moses is doing. Suppose I go to the Israelites and say to them, the God of your fathers has sent me to you. And they ask me, what is his name? Then what shall I tell them? And God said to Moses, now notice God's real insecure. He's real insecure. He's got to give his resume. You know, I like breathe the stars into existence, you know, ex nihilo, out of nothing. I created all this. No, 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 no. God says, I am who I am. Just, just, just let that bring peace to your soul. When you're asking the who am I question, greater than the who am I question is the great I am who brings stability to how much we question. I am who I am. This is what you're to say to the Israelites. Tell them, I am has sent you to me. And look what he says, look at this here. In the middle of all this section of scripture, I'll just just kind of show, show you what it says. It's just a big dialogue with God. Like I said, you ever had a dialogue with God, but God, you've, you've, but, but this God, and, but you don't understand, and, but, but, but my teenager's got this, and, but you don't know the, the, the job situation, and you don't know this guy's against me, and my boss doesn't understand me, and you don't understand my wife, my husband, my this. You ever had all those but God, but, but he's saying, no, this is where I'm trying to take you. This is the next step I have for you. Well, Moses has a lot of that with God out of his insecurity. He just is arguing and talking to God, and it hits a heightened moment here in Exodus 4.10. Moses said to the Lord, pardon your servant, Lord. I've never been eloquent, neither in the past nor since you have spoken to your servant. I'm slow of speech and tongue. Look, I'm insecure because I have this weakness. I love God's response. It's humorous, the Bible sometimes. The Lord said to him, who gave human beings their mouths? He's like, you think I don't know that? I made you. Who makes the deaf or mute? Who gives the sight or makes them blind? Is it not I, the Lord? So the Lord comes back to, despite all of that stuff, now go. I will help you speak. I will teach you what to say. And Moses is a challenging case. Look here. Moses says what I've said a lot of times. Pardon your servant, Lord. Can you please find somebody else? All of this that God's putting into it, yet he's still, it's amazing, He's still feeling insecure. Now, some of you are looking at me like, man, that's Moses, and, and, and here you are talking about it. And Pastor Chris said, you've got some insight on insecurity. Have you had any reasons to feel insecure? Yes, I have. I have. I grew up in a home. My mom was an intercessory prayer warrior. How many of y'all are thankful for the moms and grandmas that prayed us into the kingdom? Come on now, let's give them a round of applause. My dad was a pocket protector, mechanical pencil-wearing engineer. Y'all know what I'm, y'all ever met anybody like that? If it's worth doing, it's worth doing right, okay? That was my dad, so that combination, and, and it was amazing. I, I was insecure as a kid. I, I had an imaginative, intuitive mind, you know, and God had these plans for me, but I would be so fearful. By the way, if you have a little ADD kid who's in trouble at school all the time and real imaginative, don't be so hard on them. They may do something great one day. But, but I, I found myself having all these intuitions and thoughts and different things. In fact, baseball, I'll give you a little insight into myself. By nature, I can be a worrier because I can play out scenarios in my head. 
And I'll never forget baseball. We played t-ball. Now, when I grew up, you didn't go from t-ball to coach pitch like kids have today. Now they graduate you into a person your own age who has had no experience throwing a hard object at people. But back then, they did. You went from T-ball to then there was this big kid. I'm standing over there by my dad. My dad's six foot seven, big old East Texas man. And I'm looking at that guy. I'm like, Dad, that, 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 that guy's going to, he can't even throw the ball with nobody up there, right? He's going to hit me. He said, get out there, boy. I said, all right. I got up there. I said, whoo, man, that brother's throwing hard. Got up there. He got up on that little hill. He threw the ball. Bam, hit me. I said, well, I'm done with that. I quit. <laughs> my dad tried to use reverse psychology. Big old East Texas man came over and said, boy. You're going to act like that, you can sit with your mother. Awesome. I'm sitting with my mom right now. I think, <laughs> phenomenal. I get a snow cone up here. This is awesome. <laughs> Twelve years old, I gave my life to Christ. Six months later, I know it sounds crazy. Six months later, the Holy Spirit came in my room, called me into ministry. I had so much fear about it. I knew it was God, but I was like, I don't know if I fit the mold. I don't know any pastors I want to be like. I don't know. I, churches like this, it, was, it wasn't a day where there was stuff like this going on. But, but I knew God touched me, and I came out in our family room. I had big crocodile tears. I think I'm called to ministry. My mom said, thank you, Jesus. I knew it. My dad says, sit down, boy. We need to diagram this for a minute. Hold on a minute. We're going to draw. You what now? What did you say? I started preaching in my home church at 16 years old, went to college at Baylor University. That's Jerusalem on the Brazos if you've never been to Texas. God's presence, hallelujah. But anyway, I was a junior in college. I was working as a youth pastor at a church, and the pastor decided to go on for further education. They didn't have a lot of options. I didn't know much about running a church. They didn't have a lot of options, but they gathered together for a vote. Y'all remember those days? But anyway, they gathered for a vote. They voted me in as the temporary interim. I was real excited. I thought, man, I got a title. I am somebody. Then I realized the word temporary and interim mean the same thing, right? They were saying, look, this is short term, brother. Don't be getting too settled in. And quite honestly, it was a real challenging time for me. Newly married. I was, I was learning a little bit. I'm not saying that I was the best leader or knew how to change things in the best fashion, but I was preaching from the Bible. I was married to my wife. There was no immorality issues, but the whole thing ended up really challenging because I wanted to see people reach for, for God and they had some different things they were holding on to, some traditions and different things. And, and I went from Baylor graduate, senior pastor, youngest pastor in our whole collection of churches and denomination to having to resign, which when I resigned, they gave me a standing ovation. That'll do a lot for your self-esteem. That'll make you feel insecure. I moved my new wife in with my in-laws. My wife cried every day for six months. And, and, and all along in my journey, every time God's asked me to do something, it hasn't always come with a, just a, a clear road and no challenges and no barriers. We moved and started our church 15 years ago in Dallas-Fort Worth with 32 people in a cafetorium. If you've never done church in a cafetorium, that'll produce insecurity. I would preach. There was Coke machines lining the deal there. I, during the preaching, they'd get up and get a Coke. Do, 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 do. I'm like, dude, we're trying to feel cool right now. What are you doing, you know? It, it's just it, life brings us these things, and I just want to share with you through the ups and downs of life, some things I've learned and in this study. Four things very quickly, and then I want to pray for you. Four ways to live more securely. Number one, do not put your security in anything that can't sustain it. Don't put it in anything. Your success, your financial security, your position, your title, manager, boss, owner, mom, dad, even your, in your kids. Look, we love our kids. We want the best for our kids. They're a terrible place to put your identity. 
because they're going to do something bonehead stupid right after you start putting your identity in them. And, and, and they're not a good place to put it. Even good things like our families, like our jobs. Look, look what, did, what did God tell Moses? Look, when you go, here's how to have security. Put it on me. Put it on the great I am. Anchor yourself to me. Don't put it in your failures. Don't put it in your past. Just because you've been divorced, don't define yourself as a divorcee. We have a real heart at our church for single moms. We, we routinely and regularly throughout a calendar year take care of almost 400 single moms. And here's what I learn from them all the time. Yeah, yeah, it's a great place to clap. My grandmother was a single mom. My grandfather died in a car accident. I've always had a heart for single moms because they're beasts. I'm going to tell you, they're beasts. And so we love on them and take care of them. And at Christmas time, we give almost a million dollars in different things and helping them and oil changes and everything. I love them. And so we take care of them. But, but here's what I've learned. They, a lot of times, yes, churches have put a stigma on them, but a lot of times they're carrying the stigma for themselves. And they start saying, I'm a, they define themselves. I'm a divorcee. I'm a single mom. So therefore, they walk around with the banner over their head. And when they feel rejection, it becomes a self-fulfilling prophecy. Don't define yourself that way. Define yourself under something that can be anchored, the great I am. I'm going to get more practical as we go. Number two, as we move toward just very practical, lean into your weaknesses to leverage more of God's strength. Yes, I said weaknesses. Look at this verse right here. Look at this verse. Paul says, but he said to me, my grace is kind of adequate for these anxiety things you have. No, no, no. He said, my grace is sufficient for you. My power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly of my weaknesses. Not fake it till you make it. That's what our culture does. No, I'll boast of my weaknesses so that the power of Christ may rest upon me. Some of you may not know the message of Jesus. Let me, let me give it to you in a nutshell here. It's not we improve ourselves. It's not self-esteem. The message of Jesus is not clean yourself up. The message of Jesus is you couldn't clean yourself up. The number one section of the bookstore is self-help, and I'm not a prude. I'm into positive stuff as long as it aligns with the word of God. But the message of Jesus is you could not fix yourself, so let my power come and fix what you couldn't fix. Let me show up, and you can have your steam in Christ as I come and live through you in the area of your weaknesses. I want to come in the area of your weaknesses. So can I help some of you? That situation, it hasn't surprised God. That painful circumstance could be the very place God fuels your purpose. Some of you who don't like yourself, the quirks you have, the different things you have, guess what? Start viewing it different. That place of weakness can be the very foundation from which God shows up strong. He made you that way. Don't call it a quirk. It's a design of his. And so let God start showing up. I know it's counterintuitive. Start leaning in to your weaknesses and show, see God show up and show his power. More practical than that, you're like, Jeff, that's inspiring. Moses is inspiring. What do I actually do? Okay, right here. Here it is. Submit your self-talk and thoughts to the truth of God's word. This is where it's won. This is where the battle takes place. Now, I know there's this global thing called football that just happened with the World Cup. Are y'all, okay? I know in vogue, I mean, it's millions. I mean, it's way bigger than what we call football. But where I come from, which is why I love you guys in Tennessee, football's not something played with a round ball. It's a pigskin. Y'all know what I'm saying like this. And yeah, come on. And I played offensive line, as you can tell. 
And I, didn't ever, I never got to touch the ball, you know. I never got to score a touchdown. I never made any headlines. But here's what I knew. If I didn't do my job, then our team didn't win. It's, it's when I coached our little league team, my son, I would yell at them out there, which we dominated the city league, but that's a different message on competition and identity. But I would yell at them and say, where's the one at? They'd yell back, in the trenches, coach. And I'm going to tell you where the trenches of where the game is won with insecurity is right here. It's right here in this battle. Paul talked about it a lot. The battlefield and the strongholds of what happens right here. You've got to learn how to apply the truth of God's word to your self-talk because it's coming. You're going to get in your car. You're going to be headed to work. There's going to be thoughts. There's going to be fears. You're going to wake up. I wake up. I don't know if you do. I wake up sometimes with irrational fears. And I have to start going, you know what? I'm going to submit. I get aggressive about it too. I get aggressive. I put it on the back of my phone. Some of you may be, maybe some of you are too casual. Maybe you're too casual. You need to get it. I put it on the back of my phone. I put scriptures on the dash of my car, on my mirror, so I can put those weapons of God's warfare to bring down the strongholds that are in my head that want to produce insecurity. That's where the game is played. The other day it happened for me. My daughter, Hannah, she was singing at an event. And she, I says, during the week, I went by the couch there in the living room. I said, how you doing, honey? She said, Dad, I'm a little bit insecure about this thing. And so I started coaching her up. I started preaching to her. Look, you got to, honey, look, don't make it about you. Make it about Jesus. Think about somebody hurting out there. And I just started sharing with her about it. I said, look, just, just get some scriptures. You're more than a conqueror. You have everything that pertains to life and godliness. God is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that you ask or think. Just start getting some of those weapons. And pushing that anxiety, push that fear, insecurity down. I shared that with her on Thursday. I was at an event with a bunch of my peers. I was sitting kind of in this section right over here, and the guy that was supposed to pray didn't show up. And so I, I asked me to pray, and so I, care, I was with these people that, you know, I'm our relationships, and so I get over there. I think, okay, fine. I walk over to pray, and as soon as I grab the handle, I start feeling a little insecurity. I've been preaching since I was 16, preached multiple times on the weekend. I started feeling insecure. I'm like, where did that come from? The devil. You say, well, what did you do, Pastor? Well, from that handle to where I prayed, I had to know how in the trenches to kill the self-talk. Wait a minute. This is not about me. I'm praying to God, not to them anyway. Why do I care what they think? I care more about what God thinks. God, I'm praying to you. Jesus. So what happened? And by the time you get there, look, self-talk. That's where it's fought. Here's number four. Number four, you got to submit that to God in a way that you focus more on what God is doing in you than what others say or think about you. I'm not one of these, who cares what people think? No, God cares. And we have a, a, a responsibility to be salt and light. But look, here's what, I, what I'm getting at. You need to hear from God what his purpose, what his call, what his plan is. You need to have some trusted friends like your pastor and I have friends and relationships and pastors. You need to get some counsel. You need to get a small group leader, get in a small group, get a band of brothers, get a band of sisters, Make sure it aligns with the word of God, the character and the nature of God and what he's calling you to do, okay? And so it's in the will of God. And that once you get to that point, you need to spend less time worried about what everybody else thinks and care more about what God thinks. That's the quickest way to fuel your insecurity is to be overly concerned with what everybody else's thinking. Look, if we spend a little more time focused on what God thinks, focused on the weapons that we have to defeat anxiety in our lives than trying to view our whole life through somebody else's life all the time, worried about what they're saying about it, worrying about what it'll look like in our online profile, we might go to sleep with a little more peace. We gotta worry less. I'm not saying we never care about what others think, but our, our purest motivation comes from God 
I'm living for well done, good and faithful servant. I'm, gonna, I'm here to serve you and I care more about pleasing you than I do everything around me and the other voices. Let me tell you, the voices are loud today. The voices are loud around our lives. Let's make his voice the most and biggest priority. I want to tell you this story. Pray for you. We have next steps like you do. Coming into the fall here, I want to encourage everybody here, if you haven't been to Next Steps, you need to come to Next Steps. I'm excited about your At The Movies series. You need to bring some friends. That's going to be awesome. And then get them in Next Steps, okay? And get them connected to the church, not just sitting and watching. But we have Next Steps. And I was at our 101 Next Step, our first step. And I stood at the end, and I was just meeting people. And, and I just tell you, I'm amazed. God loves people, and, and I love people. I just sincerely love people. And so I met these people and at the end there was this 22-year-old girl. I'll never forget. I went up to her and her voice started cracking. She was obviously carrying a bunch of emotion. I was sharing the message that I'm sharing with you right now. She said, Pastor, I got some insecurity. It's just trying to overtake me. And, and I said, well, what's going on? She said, well, I graduated a semester early from college. She said, my job situations haven't worked out. In fact, it's like two of them have kind of flopped and God sent me here. This is my first time at church here. I don't have anybody in my family that's supporting me in my decision to follow Jesus. And so I'm doing this all on my own. And I, I, my, the compassion of God just starts going out there. And then she said something I'm just like overwhelmed by. She said, my best friend died in a car accident and my boyfriend cut off our engagement. I'm just like, whoa, 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 whoa. That's a lot. And, and I just, I felt like the Holy Spirit just wanted to encourage her. And I really felt this for her. And I said, I just want you to know I'm proud of you. She started crying more. I want you to know I'm proud of you. I'm proud of you and God's proud of you because with all of that, in fact, that's just overwhelming, you by yourself not only came to church, you chose to take some steps in God to grow in who he's called you to be. So I prayed for her and I, I just felt the passion of God. I was driving home, I couldn't get her off my mind. I was just thinking about her. I thought, man, God, be with that girl. And God just began to talk to me about, he said, Jeff, that's the way a lot of my children are. You know, it's like we, we all have different variables in life. I'll tell you one thing I'm amazed by as a pastor. If I could talk to every one of you individually, the amount of challenging things that we face on a daily basis and pressure that we go through. I know you're going through something, but here's the deal. Don't let the enemy paralyze you in insecurity. She took a step, and I'm going to tell you, when you don't know what else to do, just take your next step. Take your next step in God. I want to pray for you right now. Some of you, your next step is to say yes to Jesus. Your next step is to go all in with Jesus. I'm talking about quit playing games. You know if you're not right with him, to just simply say, Jesus, I'm all in with you. I'm tired of hiding. This, this, this. The Bible says sin is pleasurable for a season, but you know what? It riddles you with anxiety and fear. You're like, I'm tired of the anxiety. The partying, the this, it's all great until you have to deal with the anxiety. So I'm going to ask everybody just to bow your heads for just a minute. And if you say, Jesus, come into my life. I believe you died for me, rose from the dead. I turn from my old self. I receive what you have for me. I receive you today. Come into my life. He comes in. I'm going to ask you at the end of the service to let somebody know. You've got to let somebody know that so that you can be helped in this new life that you found. But, but I believe, I really do believe after being here all weekend and I'm seeing just different people, I, I believe that. God sent me here from Texas to Tennessee because there's some of you here, you say, Pastor, 
I needed a safe place to really think about some of this insecurity and fear and anxiety and the who am I question. And I just want you to pray for me. Would you just lift your hand if you're that person? You say, I believe God sent you here just to pray for me. Thank you. Hands around this room. Raise it up. Just as a, It's really just an extension to God going, God, show up. Father, I pray right now in the name of Jesus that Jesus, by your spirit, through the truth of your word, you'd go beyond my words. This would be more than information. It would be an impartation and you would, like a wet blanket, extinguish the fire of insecurity that the enemy wants to paralyze these people with. And I pray today that faith would rise up in their hearts to take a next step in you. Lord, I pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you, faith promise.